Well, yesterday was Orthodox Easter. Orthodox Christianity is, of course, the dominant religion in both Russia and Ukraine. Uh, but Russia's invasion of Ukraine is being felt throughout the church as well. Vladimir Putin attended an Easter service led by Patriarch Kirill, the top Russian Orthodox bishop and a close ally of his. Kirill has also been a vocal supporter of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So how important is that support? And why would the church so aggressively back an illegal war on a country where it has parishioners or did? With more on that, I'm joined by Scott Kenworthy. He's a professor of comparative religion at Miami University in Ohio and with the Havinghurst Center for Russian and Post-Soviet Studies. Scott, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for having me on. So for, for listeners who might not be entirely familiar with this schism, um, this would have been a fairly fraught Easter again for the Orthodox Church, specifically uh, with the Russian Orthodox Church. Right, uh, very much so, um, because there are divisions in Ukraine between the autocephalous church and the church that's still under Moscow. Um, and I think it was probably particularly fraught for the church that's uh, still under the Moscow Patriarchate because many of the clergy, at least on the ground, not necessarily, some of the bishops have been openly critical of the war, but others are trying to maintain some kind of silence. But there's a, a movement among many priests who still belong to the Moscow Patriarchate, but some 400 have signed a petition um, to have Patriarch Kirill judged for his support for the war by the kind of universal Orthodox Church. For those who haven't followed it particularly closely, uh, it, it feels like uh, the Russian Orthodox Church, or Kirill specifically, has been very supportive of Putin since forever. But but how did this all come about, and just how supportive has the Church been for Putin and his war? So the... the um, close alliance uh, between the church and the state did really come about because of Patriarch Kirill. So, of course, in the Soviet period, the church was repressed by the Soviet government, um, intensely persecuted in, in before World War II, and then after World War II, closely controlled, let's say. And then when the church was reviving after the collapse of the Soviet Union in the 1990s and into the 2000s, the patriarch then, Alexei II, um, tried to cooperate with the government, but the, the relations were not overly close. Uh, but once um, Kirill became patriarch in 2009, he succeeded in securing, uh, actually it was President Medvedev at the time, um, a lot of things the church had wanted in terms of reintroducing religious instruction in the public schools, reintroducing chaplains in the military, um, the state uh, giving back properties uh, to the church that the Soviet state had confiscated, things like this. But the real turning point um, was 10 years ago in 2012, when uh, President Putin was facing the most serious threat to his presidency of the entire time, when there were massive uh, protests against him uh, in the winter of 2011-2012. And uh, at that moment, in order to kind of polarize against the opposition, uh, President Putin, well, then he was running for president, he was running for his third term, Putin uh, embraced some elements uh, that were part of the church's narrative, this kind of culture wars, 
Uh, Russia represents true traditional Christian values against the West, which has become decadent and corrupt and abandoned Christian values by going for uh, gay rights and things like this. And these were ideas that Kirill had been developing already for some years, but Putin really embraced them in a new way uh, to help him ally the opposition with those alien Western values that were threatening to traditional Russian values. So if you're in support of the church and support of Russia, you're a good Russian patriot, then you have to vote for Putin against the opposition. And so at that moment in 2012, uh, Patriarch Kirill, by having this support from Putin, you could say, then reciprocated that support and gave his support completely uh, to Putin. And that has not wavered uh, since 2012. Even the moment when Russia annexed, annexed Crimea and the conflict in the Donbass started, um, this was not exactly something that Kirill probably wanted because it threatened to alienate the church in Ukraine, which still was a huge part, still is a huge part of the Moscow Patriarchate. So he was quite silent in 2014, um, but uh, in more recent years has really just completely supported um, Putin's line on things. How important is it then for Putin to have this support? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, in the post-Soviet period, the church was considered one of the most trusted institutions by ordinary Russians, the, the army being another one. Um, and that support seems to have waned or confidence in the church has maybe waned a bit in, over the years. And I think there's, there's a lot of Russians who are not necessarily all that keen on Patriarch Kirill in particular. But at the same time, it's important for uh, President Putin to make sure that the church is reinforcing his narrative uh, because uh, the kind of propaganda and Russian narrative is repeated in all the media uh, which is heavily state-controlled. Uh, and it's um, very powerful and very persuasive in convincing Russians that what Russia is doing is right and also giving them limited information about what's actually happening. And so uh, as part of that overall package, it's definitely important that the, the church also stay on message, as it were. And what does the church get out of this? Because as you mentioned in, in the article that you wrote on this, um, the church does risk, in this sense, Moscow risks losing its its parishioners or its followers in, in Ukraine over this, because clearly taking a very firm stance on the justification for the war flies in the face of all those who are in the country at the receiving end of it, you'd think. Yeah, I think it's going to be catastrophic for the church uh, in the long run. Um, but I think that the gains maybe that Patriarch Kirill felt like uh, he got from the alliance with, with Putin came earlier, right, from this sort of Putin pushed the church in front and center as an aspect of Russian identity and patriotism and so on. And Kirill presumably believed that this was a way to ensure the church's prominence and influence on society. Uh, and so Kit couldn't back away from it uh, when this all started taking place. But now, uh, internationally, of course, um, Patriarch Kirill is 
uh, highly criticized and even despised in many quarters or completely delegitimized. And especially among his flock in Ukraine, it's just impossible to imagine how the church that still is subordinate to Moscow will um, remain in that situation, at least in places that aren't controlled by, <laughs> by Russia. So how does that schism manifesting itself so far? I, I, because there are a few different elements to this schism that are that are that are happening because of not just because of this war, but because of uh, of, of support for Putin more broadly. Well, in some ways, uh, it's perhaps too soon to tell. So ever since 2014, of course, there there has been mounting criticism uh, of the Russian Orthodox churches tacit support, let's say, um, of what Russia was doing in annexing Crimea and the conflict in Donbass, which finally led to um, the ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew of Constantinople intervening uh, on the request of then Ukrainian President Poroshenko Mm -hmm. to grant autocephaly, which is the technical term for basically full church independence, to the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, uh, but the still probably the majority of parishes, and it's hard to tell how many of the parishioners, but a very large portion of them remained under Moscow. So you ended up with the two churches uh, in Ukraine. And uh, certainly since in the past two months, um, probably many um, parishioners have just voted with their feet, as it were, and left churches belonging to the Moscow Patriarchate and gone over to the churches that are, you know, that belong to the Anasopolis church. But we don't really know exactly. I mean, I've seen some of my um, social media contacts and colleagues expressing real dismay who still were part of the, whose allegiance had been to the church in Moscow, expressing real dismay and, and uncertainty about what to do, feeling like they can't continue to belong to a church that is subordinate to Patriarch Kirill, um, but not quite sure how to proceed just yet. And the question will be what happens with the, the Ukrainian churches and, and bishops and so on who are still subordinate to Moscow at this point, whether they hold their own kind of council and and merge with the autocephalous church. But unfortunately, there's a lot of bad blood between them that happened when uh, the autocephaly was granted in 2019. So that's a little tricky to envision. So where we'll go exactly is, is uh, yet uncertain. Scott Kenworthy, uh, a fascinating topic. Thank you so much for your insight tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, Ben.